0: and Mike Viscom open us in a word of prayer. Amen. I'm going to look at a little bit starting off with your devotion for the week. So, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, and again your memory verse is, deliver me, O Lord, preserve me from the violent man. Genesis 4, and it says, and Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and unto his offering he had not, not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not... Shall not thou be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. I always look at that passage, I think, I'm glad I was raised in a different family, the idea that one brother would kill another brother. Okay, but it says, there are... There is evil in the world, and there's violent people in the world. Uh, This week, I was reading statistics out of my um, American Hunter magazine, or American Rifleman. From I'm a lifetime member of NRA, so if that makes me, because it's being broadcast, that puts me in trouble, come and get it, all right? But it's a, a case of, in dealing with that, they're talking about statistics, you know, and Everyone's trying to take away your f- firearms from legal gun owners. And they showed that in 70% of all the murders in the United States happen in, out of the couple thousands of counties, I'm talking counties, it happens in, 70% happens in about 30 counties. And guess what? What? In those counties, there's zones where that happen because that's an area where violent people live. And religion today tries to say of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Well, this is what your brotherhood will get you. Okay, That, that statistics, it was taken, I can't remember the name of the organization, it's in the book, in the, my magazine, and it made it very plain that it happens in urban areas. You go to a suburban area and the, the murder rate drops way down per so many thousands of a population. You go into the rural areas and it drops significantly. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, with this you need to realize people are not your brother. How many times I want you to think about this, As a saved people, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll warn you, generally lost people will push you aside, but it'll be a brother and sister in Christ who hurts you. So you need to, I'm not trying not trying to scare you away from the relationships. I want you to understand that if you're looking to get your identification and your value from other people. You need to find it in the Lord. Psalm 118 and verse 8 said it is better to trust in the Lord. I know Brother Fielder went to this verse. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That's the very center of your Bible. There's 14 words in that verse. There's no center word. So you have to take the seventh and the eighth word in your King James Bible and you know what that is? The Lord. Okay, so that's why we always need to remember to do that because there's an inherited sin nature in man. You find that in verse one of what I just read: envy, anger, and depression. You find people suffer from it all the time. They turned around and they said, "Oh, we have to protect people, right? We're gonna we're gonna isolate them because of COVID," and the murder rate went up. You know, went up faster than that. The suicide rate because people aren't meant to be alone. So that's gone up. It's higher now because of that. You had people get upset. You know, one of the things about it, the best thing you can do is have personal face-to-face contact with people. The more you're, and I'm saying with it, I told you, be careful, but I want you to understand, you're dealing with people face-to-face. You ever notice that you can say something to somebody on the phone, you'd never say to them face-to-face? You know what makes it even worse than that? Facebook. Facebook texting, because you know what happens? Someone sends you a text or they send you a uh, messenger, a message on Facebook, and you're interpreting their emotions. And if you're upset, guess what you're going to think they are? And if you're hurting, guess what you think they're doing? They're coming after you on it. And so many times things get misread. And so we need to be careful with that. And we need to realize there's nothing new under the sun. Okay. Skin for skin. What will a man give for his soul? You can't forget that you need to remember that. So what you see here is again in that text that you were given this week. A non-repentant life of rebellion will come. What it Did Cain repent of killing his brother? No. You want to be right with God? You need to repent daily. Repent in the little things. If you lose your temper, if you, you get caught in a situation, you have harsh words between spouse, between children, between parents and child between a neighbor, between a person you work with. Jesus on the cross said, what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So you you can see this evil in the world. There's anger, there's envy, there's depression. There's a life of rebellion because people don't repent. And if you do not repent and you hold on to something, you are rebelling against what God's commanded you. And we are, we are commanded and called of God to be different. And so you need to remember that, okay? Now, what should you do with an evil person or a violent person? <laughs> Pray God to deliver that you from that person and preserve you. Uh, in, in spiritual counseling, I have to talk to people about unhealthy soul ties. One of the things you need to be able to do with an unhealthy soul tie, that is a person who influences you in such a manner that they keep you from growing in the Lord. Okay? One, you repent of your part in that unhealthy soul tie. I was dealing with my grandson yesterday, and the brothers are brothers. And the little one's upset at the older one. He's being pushed. Didn't like what's going on. And he, then he had to ride back to the house with me, and he didn't want it, because he got upset. You know, little ones, they want to cry faster. okay? And he's turned around, and he goes, <laughs> and I said, quit going to your parents and telling on your brother. Yeah, but, and I said, you don't have to respond to him. You got upset because he was giving you orders. Was he the one who was supposed to give you orders? No, Papa. Who are you supposed to listen to? Mom and Dad. And I said, so when he tells you, you know what? You say, listen, you're not my boss. You know what he's going to do? He's going to remove his ability to influence him. And so many times, if you just look at the truth of a situation, you know what you can do? You can remove their ability to influence you. And so what it comes down to, you got to pray that God will deliver and preserve you. If the person is lost, you pray that they get saved. I'll tell people, you have to forgive somebody. You don't have to allow them to continue to influence you in that wrong way. If it need be, you come, you separate from that, all right, from that person. You can forgive a person and still not be able to be in their their presence because if they don't repent, it doesn't change. Make sense? Okay, you have to love that person. I can't love somebody. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice every time. If you choose to love somebody the way God would have you to love them, your emotions will follow. Love them that hate you. Be kind unto them that inspitefully treat you. When you do that, you put them in a place for God to deal with them. Because it says, for God shall dump what? Heaping coals of fire upon their heads. Okay, You love that person. You try to do good to them and don't take it personally. I've had people get upset at me at different times. I know you wouldn't believe that. You can't believe that anybody could get upset with me. (laughs) But they do. And sometimes they've had to say, I'm sorry you have that problem. Say to them, when my heart is right, because it doesn't always happen this way. Okay, When my heart is right, it's a situation of trying to understand where they're coming from. What's caused them to have that situation? I had a time when I unsaved boss when I worked at Hammer Mill Paper Company, and that wasn't Dick Duda. He was saved before I was born. Okay? Not quite, but. Okay, he's saved a long time. He's electrical engineer, but my foreman used to give me a really hard time. And the first person I ever led to the Lord was Gary Hunkins. He's one of the first deacons of this church, lives up north. And that foreman would get so mad at Gary and I was I was working nights. And Gary was on days, and they couldn't get this machine fixed. And I got asked by the shop steward, like a working foreman, would you go up and straighten this out? When I went upstairs to the equipment, my foreman, his name was Al Nessel, was face to face with Gary Hunkins. And they were arguing and Gary's fist is doubling up because he just started suffering from his depression. He was electrocuted, 2,300 volts. And sometimes he couldn't control it. And the fist was doubling up. And I stepped between them. And I said, Al, would you come over here? And he goes, I can't believe that. And I said, you know something? I imagine you probably yell at your sons a lot too, don't you? Ooh. Yeah. I have a hard time. I just, you know, when things aren't, they don't listen to me. I just have this problem. And I I said, is that going to help anything with that? So why don't you go calm down over here, go have a cup of coffee. I'll go work with Gary and we'll get the machine fixed. You know what it was? I realized they had gotten out of sorts with each other. And you've got to realize, believer, if you don't look at it God's way, you know what you're going to do? You won't do good to that person. And you'll look at it and think maybe something's wrong with you. And you get to the place and say, I don't deserve that. And the truth is, you don't deserve it from that person, but you don't get what you deserve from God, because you're under grace. So you have to protect yourself in that way. And that's why it says in Matthew five, forty three through forty five, have you not heard it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbour and hate thine enemy? But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that would despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. He maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. In your lesson, they ask you questions. How do you think God? What do you think God thinks of the evil that's in the world? Did He ordain it to take place? It comes out of the free will choice. Apparently, the cherubim, the angels, had a free will choice. Lucifer rebelled, and he messed up his relationship. And when people rebel and they mess up their relationship, you know what they normally do? They take somebody with them into their sin. What was Cain's cry? Am I my brother's keeper? Now this takes us to this morning, and we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 1. Here's your lesson for this morning. Exodus chapter 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel, which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, and for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren died. And, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was full of, filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more than mightier than we. Now they're there. You, know, and you ever think about that? They're more than mightier than we. Come, come on! Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it came, come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were greed because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all manner of service of the field. And all their service wherewith they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives which the name of one was Shiphrah and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When When ye do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive." And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So we have this thing, we see all Joseph's family, they moved to, to, to the land of Goshen. It was given to them because the Egyptians hated herdsmen. And they, they were able to separate them, but that was some of the best land that they had because it was good for grazing and everything. This is what took place here. Jacob, their father was blessed to have all his family together. They had a family reunion. Do you realize that? It said a total of 70 of them came together. When I read that passage, every time I read it, I think of my, my family used to be at Christmas time. My mother got to see children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren on Christmas Eve. The whole family would come together. The most I ever counted in my mother's house at that time was 85 people. We were good French Roman Catholics. <laughs> if you don't understand what that joke is about, ask Mike Viscom. Okay. And Pharaoh made them the rulers over their cattle. And I like said, Goshen was the best land they had in Egypt and great migration, you know, irrigation for the land, excellent grazing for the agriculture. It was approximately, it's been calculated, land of Goshen, 900 square miles. Seventy people starting off that was given to them. And then Joseph's generation died off in Egypt and 70 years before he died, Joseph and the rest of the family, they eventually die and they leave a great legacy. The family is increasing because they're not a nation yet, right? They don't become a nation until Moses calls them out of there. And Joseph and the rest of the family, they died. There was, you know, this was a happy ending, but all the things that take place change. If you don't like what you're going through today, guess what? It's gonna change. Do you notice that every time you're on a mountaintop and you're happy and you're there, to get to the next mountaintop, you gotta go through where? You gotta go through the valley of, and that's the way it is, the valley of life. And when you see this thing, the family, they grew and they got so big, okay, and they were growing into the nation that Moses was going to call out of them and they started being called by the egyptians hebrews and i don't know if that was uh, chock full of nuts or, or i'm going to get a two on that joke okay when you look at this you have this they grew grew and they tremendously what were they they were Fruitful. I want you to say when God blesses, three things occur. So many times you don't think God's working in your life, okay? But you've got to understand, if you're living for Him, you may be having to live with great rigor. But God's still blessing. And what you, I want you to Genesis, or I mean. John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 for you. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he what? Purgeth that, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. What does it mean to abide? To be close alongside. And here it says, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. If you break the limb off the apple tree, it's not going to bloom and give you any fruit. I learned that from Russ (laughs) Gavman. There's a certain time that he used to have, a, when Wilner Moleone was alive, Russ would hire him, he'd go in in the wintertime, and he, when the sap had run down low, it wasn't out in the branches, they would trim the tree. And that doesn't mean to put Christmas ornaments on it. Okay, They would cut back the tree, and that's what it's saying here. Okay, He's going to purge it. Abide in me, and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So there will be fruitfulness, but sometimes... Before you get to see the fruit, there's some cutting away. Okay? There will be an increase in the multiplying of believers. Do you realize that the times that the gospel grew the greatest around the world is in a time of persecution? Persecution. All right, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There's going to be a multiplying and increase of believers. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6 says I have planted Apollos watered but God gave the increase. I was talking with a man this week. Turned around and he said I, I'm not going to have any crowns to throw at Jesus feet. And I, you know what it is, because he, he'd read that they're supposed to do that in the book of Revelation, and then he never learned about the five crowns that believers can earn. And we went through them, and I go, have you ever done this? He goes, you mean those people I witnessed to, and they got saved? You got a crown. Are you looking for Jesus to come back? Oh, I can't wait. I love him. I want to see him. Guess what? You got a crown. So so many times people don't understand, they don't realize, okay? My daughter is using what she's going through to witness to people. Plain and simple. They come to her, want to comfort her, and they're crying, and she's going, I know I'm going to heaven. But you're not. You need Jesus. I've been through the fire with my leg. God will bring me through this fire. If he takes me home, he takes me home. But I know where I'm going because I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 the Apostle Paul says to the church at Ephesus I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And look at verse 19. And what is the exceeding, great, exceeding greatness of what? Not my power, his power, to us word who what? Believe according to the working of his mighty power. You know what God requires of me? He doesn't want a bunch of sacrifices that he didn't ask for. Because David had to learn to obey is better than sacrifice. So there's going to be power in your life. It all depends on who you're looking at. So then we look at, the, now there's a new king. We read this. A new king, he was nothing like the Pharaoh that Joseph knew. You know, like, you know it's like <laughs> my father, he trained people. He was a foreman. He worked up through at and, 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 uh, General Electric. At one point, General Electric employed 80,000 people in Syracuse. 80,000. My father started there as a, a, a regular worker. He had a, an ability with electronics. He never went to school for it. He went through it. He became a, a supervisor, a superintendent of quality control. And through that time, as he moved up, as he was a foreman, he trained guys underneath him. He got a little bit higher position. He trained people underneath him. And pretty soon, because he didn't have the education, he could only go so far. But some of the men he trained came in. They had college educations. They got promoted more, and they got promoted more, and they got promoted more. And pretty soon... The man over the division he was in was somebody who came to work underneath him at the very beginning. But there's one problem. As he went forward, he didn't keep real good contact as my father trained him and helped him. And he wasn't there. All of a sudden, the situation come, and now what happened? General Electric is dying in Syracuse. And my father's got heart problems. He's got this or that, and he needs some help. And he figured, well, I trained this man. I helped him prepare him to go forward. Well, he'd forgotten about him. He didn't really know who he was anymore. Okay, he was like four positions above where my father was. And he went to him and he goes, I need your help. And he goes, who are you? You know what he was basically saying? You know how this works? When you give yourself to somebody and there's, you know what you have to do? You have to be careful about takers. Because they'll take as long as you give. But they don't like giving back. You know what they'll say to you? When they need something, they'll come to you. When you need something, they'll say, what have you done for me lately? That's the world. That's unsaved man. That shouldn't be what it is with saved man. So he didn't know him. It's believed that possibly that this pharaoh was maybe, um, if you've ever seen The Mummy, it's Amen. Hotep. Okay, it's either him or Tutmos. Isn't that a, a Tutmos? Excuse me. Great name, isn't that? He changed everything for the Hebrews. They were in a position that, even though they were separate and they were they were shepherds, they didn't weren't liked. They were blessed because of all that Joseph had done. But what rose up a generation that didn't remember the blessings that Joseph and how he had protected Egypt. And the king, and what happened? The new king was afraid that the Hebrews would join an enemy and overthrow Egypt. That's what the passage speaks of. (laughs) These Hebrews they outnumbered the Egyptians. And there was a potential threat. When they do the digs, you know, I want you to understand something. Pagan religion does not care about the unborn. Do you realize that they've, they've discovered both in Egyptian history and also in early Greek history and even early Roman history that they had the elements used for abortions? Don't believe me? Look it up. They didn't produce the same. Now what did they do? They made the, made the Hebrews live with rigor. You know what was said of the American Indians, the women who lived on the plain? They could be migrating with their husband and their children, and they'd be pregnant. And they'd be riding on their horse, get off the horse, have their baby, wipe the baby, wrap them up in animal skin, get back on the horse, and keep going. You know why? Because they had lived with rigor. That which is something you think is against you actually made them more healthy. Man's supposed to live by the sweat of his brow. As we lose physical labor, we don't sweat as much. Guess what? Medically, you keep more toxins in your body. Yes, that's the way it is, okay? So he's turning around, and what do they do? They made him taskmasters, set over them. They ruled ruled over them with rigorous work. How many of you ladies want to ride a horse, have a baby, get back on the horse? I don't want to watch a woman have a baby and get back on a horse, (laughs) okay? So what'd they do? Pharaoh had the solution. Gonna make him work with rigor? That which seemed like was hard on them actually strengthened them. And then he's going to kill the baby boys. The task was given to the overseers. These women were the the midwives. They're supposed to throw them in the river and drown. They still do that in India. Throw the babies in the Ganges to worship the river god. Question. They were trying to wipe out the male progenitor. Who do you think was behind that? Satan, because you can wipe out the promised seed. See, there's nothing new under the sun. Why do you want to destroy Israel? What does it tell us in Genesis 3:15? She's going to bruise his head, and he's going to bruise her heel. The seed of the woman. You can't get away from it. Genesis chapter 12. Quickly. One thing I want to encourage you, it's adult Sunday school class. Make your kids work physically. It's healthy for them. They need to be outside. They need to get dirt under their fingernails. They need to understand what it's like. They won't get that staring at their phone. It won't help them. I like it. I mean, <laughs> Mike and Carla, they're poor boys. I love this. I turn around and I, I, looked at, I looked at Derek. He's helped me yesterday. I'm trying to fill the ditch in where the electrical wire and stuff came into the house and couldn't do it in the, in the wintertime. It was just too wet and everything and I slide in. So it's dry and I can reach over and pull it in with a little backhoe on my small tractor, and we're doing this, but Derek has to pick rocks. I, can't, I don't want the big rocks coming into the trench. I don't want them to work their way through and come down on the wire. And he's doing this, and he goes, man, Pop, there's an awful lot of rocks on this property. And I said, buddy, wait until we go to clean the top of your geothermal field, because that's how they're going to heat their house. They're growing rocks. You know the only time in my life I picked rocks? Is when I wanted to see her as a teenager. She got in trouble with her father, got, restrict, got on restriction, and she couldn't leave the property, and they were turning this big f- farmer's field into a lawn. And it got turned over, and I went out and picked rocks with Judy because that's the only way I could get to see her one whole summer. Her father was not a nice man. <laughs> I'd pick up those rocks, slam them down. I wish this was his head. (laughs) And Judy and I would talk to each other. We'd pick rocks. She'd pick them, and I'd wheel them away. And she'd pick them, and I'd wheel them away. You know something? It helped her to know I was going to be there. What boy comes over and picks rocks for a summer? How many days a week was that, sweetie? (laughs) A lot. Okay. Okay. Genesis chapter 12, look at verse 3. It says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. See, he's trying to wipe them out, and God's already given them a promise. You know something to help you get through when you've got a trouble, you've got trials, it seems to be things with rigor around you? Remember the promises of God. Don't lose sight of them. What sort of things are written aforetime or written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope? We have a tendency to be short-sighted. And we have spiritual myopathy, nearsightedness. We need to get a long view. Sometimes we get caught up. You know why teenagers struggle? Because they can't see past the week they're in. Little kids, they don't see the week most of the time. They're just, run through the woods, run into the tree, get, cry. Mommy helps them to get back up, run back in the woods, hit another tree. That's why it's good. Well, maybe not hitting the tree is so good, but you need to get them out in the woods. <laughs> so they're killing the babies. The midwives say they, would, they have the babies and away they go. What group of people today want to wipe out Israel, (coughs) to take them from their homeland? No Bible-believing Christian should support Islam. Now I'm not saying hate a Muslim person. That's not what I'm saying. I don't believe you should persecute him. I don't think you should mistreat him. I don't think you should turn around and every time someone looks like that persuasion to get on a plane you get weird around them. You've got to take people as individuals. which you need to understand I will bless them that bless thee and curses them that curses thee. Okay. There's some typology involved in this. Pharaoh is like the devil. He wants to kill you spiritually and physically. You know what Pharaoh means? The word name Pharaoh? It means crocodile. You know what they worship? Crocodiles. Egypt is a type of the world. It wants to control you and is grieved when you prosper. Do you ever realize unsaved people don't rejoice in the prosperity of other people? People who do well, they want to take from them. Okay, Just make sure when you you do well and you prosper, you prosper according as the Lord would have you to prosper. And then the Hebrews that got put in bondage, you know what they're a picture of? The unsaved. They're in bondage. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's how you were before you were saved. Spiritually dead in your trespasses. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. These Hebrews were in bondage to their taskmaster. Unsaved people are in bondage to the world. They don't have a joy that Jesus Christ can bring the believer when the believer is looking at the Savior. What happens? We read verse 17 back in our text. Exodus chapter 1, 17 through 21. And it said, The midwives feared God and did not not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing? And ye saved the men, and children alive. And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. When you live without rigor, you get weak. For they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and with the people, people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses and Pharaoh charged his people. They're supposed to kill him. Right? Now what, do you, what happens with that? You know what we can learn with that? They grew under adversity. They grew under adversity. When you think you're going through something, you've got to realize that's just God preparing you. You can't get climbed to the mountaintop if you're so weak that you can't get out of the Valley. You with me? You know what you have to do when you get stronger? I'm at that place where I don't exercise enough. My arms are still big, they're just not as hard as they once were. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Because you know what you do? How does a muscle grow? It's got to be tired and worked. You know what they're saying? People used to think, well, I'm going to do a rollback exercise. I'm going to run, run, run. And yet, guess what? It's not necessarily the best exercise for their heart. It builds up some. You know what they're showing some of it for physical health? They need to lift weights. You know why they got to lift weights? Because they're not doing the work that caused them to do that beforehand. So you got to do what? you got to get the muscle work before it grows. It's torn down, shredded apart, and then it gets built up bigger as it heals. And you think you're going through something and God doesn't love you. And you know what God's doing? He's trying to make you stronger. My father used to say to me, and it's not new with him, and I've said it to my sons and I said it to the, my grandsons <laughs> that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Amen? Well, you know something you can learn from that spiritually. The realm of faith is this. Your faith will stay weak if you don't exercise your faith. Faith starts to get torn down. You're going through a trial. You trust God in little things and guess what? Then you can trust Him with something a little bit bigger. And then finally, you know what you realize? You've exercised your faith enough. It's a muscle within you, your spirit, that you can trust God, that you can do whatever He's asked you to do. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But it has to be exercised. It has to be exercised. Your spiritual growth growth is the same. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the way you have the peace of God is to have that exercised. And it says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein ye stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. And not only so, we glory in, do we really? Glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Look at James chapter 1. Verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers... That's multiple temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, complete, mature. See, that's what it means. And entire, wanting nothing. The midwives feared God more than they did Pharaoh. So they protected them. When the political, religious and civil powers give orders that are in opposition to God, they are to be rejected. You ought to obey God rather than man. The apostles were warned not to preach the gospel. They weren't to speak in that name. And Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than man. What did God do with the midwives? He blessed them. God increased their household and their families. Because Proverbs 29 and verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. You must exercise your faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. We'll finish up. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For when at time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which would be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is what? Unskillful. It's talking about scripture. Unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the, you need it every day. Hearing by the word of God. He is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those by reason of use. Use of what? The word of God. Have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 7. But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto what? For bodily exercise profiteth little. There is profit there, but it's, it's temporal. It's only for a certain length of time. Prof- but godliness is profitable unto all things and for all eternity. It doesn't say that, but I'm reading in between the lines there. Okay, Having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all the acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. That's faith people. We trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men especially those that believe. One more. Acts 24. I smiled. You guys laughed harder when Gerald Fielder told the joke about the woman yelling, Acts 2.38, than you did when I read it. Acts 24. Look at verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul's testimony. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards who first? And toward men. You don't have to confess to God when you do right. Amen. The Hebrews had to learn to trust their God during a time of rigor. And the promise of deliverance didn't come early. And so many times, I want, I want you to end with this thought: We get frustrated with God because we don't realize that tribulation worketh patience. and God is never on the same timetable as we. But they that trust in our, wait no, they that wait upon the Lord shall <clears throat> renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say on the Lord. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. Take a break.